Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we smash apart the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute chunks so we can analyze them in scrupulous detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Road to Infinity podcast. And I am Rob Cabosco, Kyle's friend with opinions. <laughs> so, as you can tell, we are not Andy and Pete. No, we, we are not. We are definitely not them. Uh, we are working with the guys from Next Reel, but we were having a, a podcaster-to-podcaster conversation, and they were saying how they were having difficulty with scheduling because they have so much stuff going on, and they would have to indefinitely delay their Hulk minute-by-minute podcast. And so we stepped up and said, well, what if we helped out with that? And so Spoiler, you're stuck with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, for the next 100 and whatever minutes we're going to be around t- talking about the minute by minute of the Incredible Hulk, it will be Rob and I. Uh, we've already talked to Andy and Pete a lot. It's still their show. Uh, we are just uh, coming in as sort of guest hosts for them for this uh, cinematic minute-by-minute uh, minute podcast excursion. Obviously, things will be a little bit different. We uh, inherited the format from them, and we're not going to do anything too radical to it, uh, but we have our own ideas and our own ways of going about so we uh, we hope you'll come along with us and, and have a good time. We are going to be discussing 2008's The Incredible Hulk. This is the good one. Yeah, the good one. Yeah, the better right. one. Yeah, as, as opposed to the uh, 2003 Hulk by Ang Lee, which uh, is not as kindly regarded by fans, I would say. Another episode at some other time? Yeah. You'll enjoy that. <laughs> I'm sure. We'll get deep into that. But yes. uh, with this one, we're just going to, we have lots of stuff to talk about, so we're going to continue our focus on this one. So, directed by Louis Leterrier. Leterrier. Nice. I'm trying to get the you nice very French nice pronunciation. Leterrier, if you're uh, born American. Uh, we're going to talk about the first minute of the movie which is uh, mostly credits yes so um, we start out with the Universal logo so Universal I'm a big fan of motion graphics this is the version of the Universal logo that became uh, first use was on uh, Lost World Jurassic Park in uh, 1997 ah. so interesting a couple things one you've got Jerry Goldsmith is the composer yeah, that's right of the Universal fanfare uh, taking over from James Horner who had done the previous one and just, uh, you know, I like this one. It's uh, very bright. Uh, Universal had been known, uh, if you can remember the old days when it was an MCA company, mm-hmm. uh, that was very dark. It always had that very brooding, like yeah. desolate Earth look. They changed it completely with this one. It is super bright. It has the aura. The Universal is so wonderful with its two different types and the 3D font and everything else. I, I forgot that it was Jurassic World, uh, Lost World Jurassic Lost Park. Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, that came out. Because I remember when the first time I saw it, it reminded me of the the Genesis planet. Yes. All uh, right. Like that, the, like the, the, the right. sort of like the, the light coming around it, sort of like a, from Star Trek that it was, uh, it was when life was being created. And this is probably, so I think this is the fifth. I think this is the fifth of these, going all the way back to Universal when they first started in 1937. You know, like I said, you've, you've had that whole period where uh, it was the very dark brooding Earth. This is the really bright Earth. This one goes, it started in 1997, goes all the way to 2012. And then the one that they're using now currently is from 2012. And that one is where they go into the whole photorealistic Earth. Mm, yeah. This is the last Contoured. of the, yes, this is the last of the animated looking it's a globe. Cartoon Earth globe yeah. that you get from all that. Yeah. So, so why is Universal the first thing we see in this? Oh, yes. Yeah, because Universal uh, was the ones who created the television series of The Incredible Hulk back from 1978. Yeah, I knew it was back in, way back in the, in the 70s. Uh, starring Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Uh, and so from that, which is a very successful series. Actually, oh, yeah. for a long time. And five so, years, five seasons. Five seasons, that's right. right. So from that, and Universal still holds the rights to, I believe it's distribution. 
so that any time a Hulk movie is going to come out, they are automatically in first position to distribute it. A solo Hulk film. A solo Hulk film, yeah. And the character is still owned by Disney. Uh, well, through Marvel, through Marvel Studios, uh, but Marvel. they're oh my! But at this time, and, and even still to the time of our recording, right. it is the the rights are still home. So if they want to do anything, they have to go to Universal first. And Universal has the right to say yes or no, and so they don't go to Universal because yeah, they, they don't. Want and to they get will never. Out. That's why there will probably never, <laughs> never be, be another Hulk standalone no. film. And from what we've seen, there doesn't need to be. Yeah, because they, they seem to be using him just fine. Like, no, nope, everything's uh, fine. Actually, seeing Hulk in context with other heroes, I kind of like more. But no. uh, we'll, we'll see. This is his, uh, uh, obviously, his big one out after the 2003 one. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, um, so then the next logo we see come up, then, of course, is Marvel Studios. And Marvel Studios' first film was out one month earlier. That was the uh, 2008 Iron Man, directed by Sean Javreau. If you'd like to know more about that, you can listen to the Marvel Movie Minute episodes about that. Season one. <laughs> Season one, that's right, when they got deep on every single aspect of Iron Man. Uh, but this was Marvel Studios' second uh, feature out and obviously they were an independent thing so they were following where the characters went so the, in this case the characters took them to Universal they were at Paramount for Iron Man and now they're at Universal there they were uh, Kevin Feige was already creating his stewardship of the characters and right. working on interconnectedness which we'll, we'll talk about when we get uh, deep into it uh, toward, towards the end of the credits and you'll see more of that uh, this was billed as sort of a sequel to the 2003 Ang Lee Hulk a bit I think it was how they they sort of sold it, even well, though it's, it's just like Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It, it was, it's, this is the, what we're learning now as the soft reboot. <laughs> when you add the, yeah, yeah right. you add a the, and, and, and maybe and or or we've learned from Sony has learned add an adjective, add an adjective, right? And so it's all new, new thing. It's all new. Uh, so that yeah, so we have we have the uh, the original Marvel Studios logo, which still has actual comic panels in there. Uh, eventually, they would um, once they became successful, they would uh, abandon that. If if you knew Marvel at this point as as a regular uh, regular consumer, as a non geek, you knew it as the home of Spider Man because you'd seen this Marvel you know the the Marvel name, not Marvel Studios, but the Marvel name in front of all of the Spider Man movies from Sony. Uh, which had come out a, a couple of years before, but uh, not knowing that there's a deeper roster to this, uh, obviously people were uh, Iron Man was still in theaters uh, when this one came out, uh, so this was still um, them building the name. Of course, then there'll be a there'll be a big gap right. <laughs> for after this point before we see the next Marvel Studios film. So after the Marvel Studios graphic, we get into the credits proper. Universal Studios, Universal Studios, Marvel Studios, Marvel Studios, and then the next name that comes up that might not be as familiar is Valhalla. So a Valhalla. Uh, motion pictures. Valhalla is actually from Gale Ann Hurd. Gale Ann Hurd is a, a very, very uh, popular, successful producer. Uh, she's known as the first lady of sci-fi sometimes. Uh, in her list of things she's done, she's done The, the Terminator, uh, The Abyss, uh, Terminator 2. Obviously, she works with uh, James Cameron a lot. Uh, Ghost in the Darkness, and obviously this, Tremors, uh, Punisher... The, I mean, she's done a ton of stuff, and like, and later would go on to do Walking Dead. She is the female Jerry Bruckheimer, I guess you would say. Uh, she she has a, a taste for the genre stuff and is very very good at her job. A couple of interesting things too, I think, is that you immediately go to green. Green is mm -hmm. the element. I think they yeah. they even pull the colors, the shades of the Hulk skin. Yep. All the type, and it's very compact. It's very bulky. Uh, you know, it's 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 you already kind of feel. The theme of this before mm -hmm. you even go into a visual image of an actor or yep. a scene 
you've got this whole look of cellular level things and microbes and and you've just got all that going on so i think they you know boom you're right into it yeah. you're right into what this and, movie's about and we're already starting to get the uh, the science as being a major part of this because right. we're seeing we're seeing blood traveling through veins capillaries yeah and yeah stuff, right. we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, x-rays of skulls and uh, things you're getting a lot of that in all green tinted so you're getting those two things together right before you go into what becomes an incredible nostalgia trip Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and is, as I was watching it, thinking, "Hey, this seems kind of familiar because this is an om- this yeah, this is an homage to the opening sequence from the Incredible Hulk television series." Uh, but that is actually is flat out telling you the story, uh, Doctor David Banner. Um, uh, as but this one is, is is sort of like letting the the visuals tell the story, which is a a, a Louis Leterrier trademark. He likes. He is a very very visual storyteller. Yeah, and then and then we go into the shots that we see Edward Norton. Yeah, we start, to... they start telling us. That, now, this is obviously is very different than what we saw in in the 2003 Hulk, which this is where we get into the soft reboot part of right. it, where you uh, this is this is not they're not recreating scenes from that, so they're doing all of all new things. First name that comes up is Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. What's so, he doing? <laughs> so Edward Norton at the time was a very, very popular actor. He was one of those guys who was navigating between high-profile films and independent films. So he was sort of going back and forth. He sort of became – I first noticed him in Primal Fear. Uh, he was fantastic in where he played uh, – he had multiple personality. Right. Like it's a, a Richard Gere, it's a, it's a, a legal thriller. Uh, but I, I, if you're a fan of Edward Norton or you just like legal thrillers or you like Richard Gere – um, I would highly recommend seeking that one out. That is a really, really good movie. Uh, he did um, People vs. Larry Flint. He had a big role in American History X, was I think where he sort of made a big impact because uh, that was where he played a, a penitent Nazi, I guess. Right, correct. Yeah. I, I mean, it was very adult, very serious, hardcore role yeah. that really redefined him, I think, for a lot of people. I think so, too. And then, of course, when I put him, one of my favorite films of all time, Fight Club. Oh yeah, no. We can, we can do a whole thing on just on Fight, Club, on Fight Club. Club, and then he follows it up with one of my favorite five favorite films, Keeping the Faith. Oh, interesting. Which uh, is the movie that answers the question of what happens when a priest and a rabbi walk into a karaoke bar. <laughs> uh, he uh, let's see. Then he did the score, which is good. I, I love Death to Smoochie. It's one of those weird black comedies that it's not for everyone's taste. Let's see. Uh, he had done at this point Red Dragon, the mm-hmm. uh, sequel to Silence of the, or prequel to Silence of the Lambs, Twenty Fifth Hour, Italian Job, which was interesting because that was yeah. a contractual obligation movie for him, and he still killed it. Really? <laughs> As a, yeah, it uh. was. It was. Uh, I say we don't turn this into the Edward Norton podcast, even though we're going to be talking about Edward Norton sure. for like a hundred hours. Um, but uh, he had one last movie on his contract with Universal, uh, and so. They said like, "Oh, we got this uh, movie, the Italian job and stuff." And Baggy's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." Just like, just wanted to get it out of the way. And don't, he still don't send the script. And, I'll just yeah, read it. When whatever. I'm there. Like, yeah, just like, can I grow a goatee for it? Great, I'm in. And he and he and he's great. Like he's he's like a really he's he would the Italian job could have been the Fast and Furious of its time. Oh uh, yeah. It just never yeah. really went anywhere beyond that. He was really really good as a as a bad guy. Uh, after that, uh, he was in Kingdom of Heaven, but of course at that time, who wasn't in Kingdom of Heaven? Uh, the Illusionist, that had, was another big thing that had just come out. So that was that was sort of what he was coming off of on that. Illusionist was a um, another prestige movie that had right. a lot I was of... Just gonna say, just like, <laughs> right. I actually did not mean to make that joke with that too, because at the same time The Illusionist came out, The Prestige was also coming out about magicians. This was movie. one of those weird years yeah. where you had dueling movies. Yeah. 
Um, and he's in The Painted Male, which I don't know anything about that movie I don't other either. than my mother loves it. Okay. All right. That's all I so know. So Rob's mother's seal of approval. See, there on you the go. Painted Veil. So Edward Norton was was kind of like the uh, a pretty big deal at this yeah. point. Like he was a he was a bona fide movie star coming into this, uh, and then he also was known for being highly involved in these scripts uh, of of the films, uh, as we're going to see play out over the course of also, this. Also, though, a known big Incredible Hulk fan. Yes, true. He was a very... I mean, that's something that obviously... He had talked about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just... Not only was he huge, not only was he super involved and, a, and a, not a talented actor, but obviously very deeply involved in the filmmaking process, he really loved this character. Yeah, and he has likened it to uh, his generation's Hamlet. He says that every actor should have a chance to play it, and it's like that's why he doesn't feel any ownership of the role, because he feels other people should have a chance to do it, just like from Bill Bixby to Eric Bana to him. Now, the, in the future, we'll see to Mark Ruffalo. He sees it as, as a, a, a thing that actors should take on. Mark Ruffalo's like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I, I think they've actually <laughs> talked about it. I mean, like, they, really? they, yeah, because he's, I mean, he's very, you know, uh, sort of zen about the whole thing. So, because wow. as this, as we will find out, that spoiler alert: this is the only time that Edward Norton will play. Yeah, this is it, <laughs> Bruce Banner. And Edward Norton's name is actually the only one above the title. So, like that—that's a big thing in Hollywood. Is if if you're a top powerful billing. enough star, top billing, right. that your name goes above the title, that's a big deal. Not everybody gets that. And then, and future Marvel things, that will not happen. The character will be the the top one because you don't see the name go above the title most of the times, except maybe in a Robert Downey Jr. case. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Very rare will that actually happen. So then we see the the Incredible Hulk logo. It looks like uh, uh, in front of an eye. Oh yeah, that looks like a retina. I definitely right. get that Pupil, idea yeah. that this is we're looking out from the. Uh, either from inside or from outside, I'm not sure. Which makes a ton of sense, though, given the the, the role that eyes play in the Incredible Hulk. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Okay. We get more sciency things. We get to see uh, more recreations of uh, their their new origin story. Of and this is where the nostalgia kicks in. Yeah. Because this is all the same. The 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 beam of light on the face. The the, the the mechanical arms going in front of it. This is all straight from the '70s television show. Even including like the MRI looking machine that's yeah. going around the place. Though the only difference here is, it's and I think this is a big difference to make between this and the series. The series you always got the feeling that Banner was doing this to himself in a in a in, in an environment that was he was by himself. Yes, he was doing something beyond what the science was going to allow. Yeah. This clearly shows him with people in the control room and doing stuff. So there is a, I think that's interesting to note a little bit of a difference in the origin here that this may have just been an accident or you know something like that. It isn't that the doctor himself was stretching the... No, the it's true. Yeah, just like in, he's in, in this, as in the series, he is actually looking for... So he's doing something to himself. He's experimenting on himself for this thing, which is interesting because it is different from his origin in the comics, which we will talk about in a future episode. The next name that comes up in there is Liv Tyler. Now, at this point, Liv Tyler was coming off of the huge success of the Lord of the Rings series, where she played Arwen Evenstar. Uh, So she was a pretty well-known thing. Now... She has not had the, the easiest career. She sort of bounced around a lot of stuff that didn't end up making a lot of uh, big success. She obviously got started uh, doing videos for Aerosmith for obvious reasons. If you don't know what the obvious reasons are, you can look it up. Uh, but then she had one of my, she was actually had a big role in one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Empire Records. I thought you were going to say Armageddon. 
<laughs> Armin Kendo, I think, is where it was probably the biggest thing she had done because that's you know that's Bayhem, that's uh, oh, yeah. Michael Bay, that's no, the no, no. big thing. I love Empire Records though; it's one of my favorite. Yeah, Empire Records. She done a, she had done a, a fair amount of movies even by the time she got to Lord of the Rings. Oh, even that thing you do. I'm yeah, that thing you do. Oh, yeah, that was Tom Hanks directed. Uh, that thing you do was great. Uh, she had a big role in Jersey Girl, uh, but then uh, a bunch of other movies that, as you look at her IMDb, you've never heard of before. So she did a lot of independent stuff, which is you know you gotta you gotta pay your dues, right, and that's exactly. what you have to do. Even even if you're Hollywood royalty, you still gotta pay your dues. So she comes this and there. So obviously she's second name. So she had some pretty good star power coming into this as well. So we're going to see her as, as Betty Ross uh, over the course of the rest of the movie. And then we get one more quick shot of Dr. Banner experimenting on himself, and that's the end of the minute. And it's very clear. I mean, this is getting really close to the original uh, 70s show. Yeah. He's got the chin strap. Yep. You can the, go yeah. to the next step yeah, of exactly. gamma radiation overload. That's right. All right, that, that pretty much brings us to the end of the minute. Uh, How can there be this much? I know, just in, in a 60 single minute, seconds, right? <laughs> and the beginning of a long, long journey. There's plenty more things we can talk about, and and we will get to all of them. But I think that pretty much covers what we want to do for the first minute of Incredible Hulk. So, uh, as I always say, like, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, you can also join us over in our Discord chat room if you head to thenextreel.com and follow the link. We will be back to talk about minute two of Incredible Hulk. So I hope you had a smashing good time, and we will see you next time, true believers. Hulk smash!